Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, it's that time of year, people. The All-Star Game is in the books. The U.S. is tuning up for the Olympics. we got Game 4 of the NBA Finals tonight. You know, this time of year has never really happened before, has it? <laughs> this is... We finished the All-Star game. Now let's get back to the NBA Finals. I am looking forward to them being on a uh, quote-unquote regular slash normal calendar. Whatever the traditional, I think, is probably the word I'm looking for. The traditional calendar. I'm just all out of sorts. Uh, Game four tonight, PK, and I'll spend a lot of time on this coming up later in the hour. But I think that the one thing we've seen in the first three games, the team that's played with more energy, the team that's won 50-50 balls, the team that's out-rebounded the opponent, They've won the game. There's a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism, and a lot of skill on both teams. Bucks are a little more top-heavy, but the Suns have more depth, so you can go back and forth on all of that, but go win the 50-50 balls. We can talk uh, analytics, we can talk strategy and spacing, and but when it's a loose ball, whether that's a rebound or whether that's a, uh, a deflected pass or a deflected dribble or something, get that ball. The team that has done it has won the first three games. Two for the Suns, one for the Bucks. I don't expect Antetokounmpo to have another 40-point game because who does that? But I can't rule it out. So we'll be watching tonight. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a huge game. And the Suns win. They go home with a chance to clinch at home. Their first NBA title in front of their home fans, which was always the best scenario. I, I, if I were a Suns fan, if it were the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz um, would have had home court, right? Because they had the best record in the NBA. I would have rather Jazz win in five than in four. Who wants a sweep? So you went on the road. Went at home. So it's a great setup for the Suns if they can pull it off. But the Bucks win. 2-2, they got momentum on their side and a lot of pressure on Phoenix as it goes back to Arizona for Game 5 Saturday night. All right, we'll get to more of that, uh, more of that game coming up. Uh, the other basketball, the U.S. qualifying for the Olympics. So Argentina has not been good in this tournament. They got blown out by Nigeria. Uh, they're now 0-3 after losing to the U.S., but for the U.S., who cares? They just need to win a game. They need to see the ball go in the basket. They need to win a game. They need to get that uh, get that feeling, get that vibe back. And they did, 108-80. to 80. And they pretty much controlled the game all along and really blew it open there in the second half. Uh, nobody really going off. Spread the points around, spread the minutes around. I think 17 or whatever for uh, Lillard and for uh, Durant. So, you know, it, it was a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, the interesting thing is now after these games is we consistently hear Greg Popovich, the USA coach, talk about getting in shape. That some of these guys haven't been playing for a while now. Um, not so much Durant because they had a second round series, so Durant only shut it down for two or three weeks. But some guys shut it down for more than a month, and that they could really see it defensively. So maybe that's like the maybe that's the the biggest thing. Uh, when you listen to him talk, I, I think the familiarity really matters, but they're not talking about that. They're talking about getting in better shape and defending better and staying in front of people and not wearing down over the course of a game. So, see if it pays off. They don't play now for the next couple of days. They've got uh, another game with Australia on Friday and then Spain on Sunday. Spain historically good. I don't know how good they are now. Um, and Australia is really pretty good and, and beat them and is uh, definitely in the medal conversation. It was weird watching Argentina because Argentina used to be really good, um, but the Manu Ginobili generation is largely gone, except for Luis Scola. <laughs> I mean, I knew he was on the team. I saw it on the rosters, and I saw it um, online before I watched the game. <laughs> but honestly, he's lost weight. He's thinner. 
and he's lost two-thirds of his hair. His hair's way shorter, and he's totally gray over the years. Uh, and it really shows because he's got jet black hair. You know, if you got hair my color, it doesn't really show up. But when your hair is jet black, whoo, shows up immediately, big time. So it was really, really weird. They said he'd been playing in Italy the last couple of years. He's in his 40s now. I mean, Scola's just been, he's been around forever. He's <laughs> just... Just keeps going. But hey, if you're doing what you love and they're still paying you to do what you love, and Italy's a pretty high level in Europe. I don't know what club he's with, so I guess that matters. But uh, Italy, that's that's a good league. That's a good country playing basketball in. That's high end. So, Scola, go figure. So, does that win mean they're going to medal? No. Of course, the losses didn't mean they aren't going to medal. Uh, but Argentina is kind of the, I think, uh, you know, the bottom half of the Olympic uh, Olympic teams. There are bigger tests to come, and a bigger test on Friday. As we get close to the games, you expect them to play better. And then there's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. They did a few different things with the game. One, miking up players and literally talking to players who were in the game while they were playing. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., Padre shortstop is there, and they're just chatting him up during the game. <laughs> Don't distract the guy, <laughs> Uh, and, and then they were also talking to uh, Freddie Freeman, the Braves' first baseman. And literally, they're talking to him a minute later as a high chopper over his head down the right field line. <laughs> uh, technology. They just put the earpiece in, the microphone. And then it's really weird when guys are running the bases and they don't know they're mic'd up. But if you're talking to Freddie Freeman like Aaron Judge was and you're standing within two feet, you better let him know so he doesn't say anything. Hello. <laughs> Oops, what did he just blurt out there? So that was kind of weird. As far as the game, uh, familiar. American League wins again. That's eight in a row, and that is, um, I think it's 17 out of 20, something like that. Uh, the American League just rolling in these things, five to two. Shohei Otani was great on the mound. Um, one, two, three, first inning, the only inning he pitched, and then he ground out a couple times. And Fernando Tatis Jr. had a couple pitches he could have hit out of the park, but he didn't. Long fly balls. The second one longer than the first. First one was, you know, left and not to the track and pretty. But the center went in what is a big ballpark. Uh, he hit a deep, but he just didn't quite catch all of it. So no home runs from him. Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets the MVP because he did homer. He hit one almost up to the concourse above all the seats. I mean, it looked like he hit it the three or four rows from the top there. He really crushed it. And it was the longest all-star home run in 10 years. Would have been out in every ballpark. They got all those stats now. And he drove in another run, so he ends up being the MVP. His dad um, has uh, also homered. He homered in, I think, the 2004 All-Star Game. So they had a graphic up there that uh, it was the the father-son all-star home run combos now are the Guerreros and the Griffies and the Bonds. And there you go. That's it. Father-son combos. Pretty much who you would expect, quite frankly. There are no real surprises, no outliers there. Uh, Pretty much what you would suspect. So for baseball now, a little bit of downtime, and then uh, then back to it with the All-Star Game in Denver in the books and the American League winning again. All right, coming up this morning, we have got more for you on the NBA Finals. Uh, We're going to talk with a columnist from Arizona. Really interesting situation for the Suns to be in now. Uh, Only in the Finals for the third time. Up 2-0, feeling good. Now it's 2-1. And if they win, they really are in control. But man, if they don't, and if Giannis goes off again, that'd be a bad feeling. That would be a bad feeling. So we'll do that coming up next. DJ and PK, welcome in on a Wednesday morning. Coming up later this morning, we got Bob Casper. we got our draft for the British Open, fourth and final major 
of the year. It sounds weird to say that. I'm used to having the PGA in August, but the PGA is not in August anymore. So this is the fourth and final major of the year. All right, so we got Bob Casper coming up later this morning. We'll do our draft, and we'll pick our golfers and uh, see who we think might be able to win it all. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yesterday we had Greg Moore on late in the show, and he's a columnist for the Arizona Republic. Uh, and, and we want to talk Arizona State and the football and whatever that scandal and recruiting violations or whatever, but primarily have him on to talk NBA Finals. And we got game four tonight. It's obviously a huge game because the home team has won each of the first three games. But if you step aside from that, Giannis has got it rolling. In game one, coming back from the knee injury a little earlier than we expected, don't know how he felt because guys don't like to talk about that. They don't admit weakness and let people know what they can't do. 20 points, 18 boards. He had a good game. Actually, had a very good game, but the Suns won. Now in the last two, he's gone for 40. And the Sun, and the, the Suns won game two, and the Bucks win game three. And so while the Bucks need to win at home because nobody wants to be down 3-1, and you certainly don't want to be down 3-1 when you got two of the last three on the road. But from the other perspective, if you're the Suns, you can't be 2-2 when you had a gimme game because Giannis wasn't at full strength, and then he's lit you up three games in a row. And you got no handle on him whatsoever. And you're really afraid to double him and help on him because they've surrounded him with shooters. He's not a great three-point shooter. But, man, you don't want Middleton to have a three. You don't want Holiday to have a three. You don't want Lopez or Connaughton to have a three. So there's a lot of questions for this game. So we want to run them by him, and we'll get in a little Sun Devil talk at the end. But primarily about this final and how the Suns, after a decade of misery, have turned it around, gotten to a final, and now can they seal the deal here? They've got 14 of the 16. Can they get the last two? So, here he is. A little time with the columnist for the Arizona Republic on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Greg, good morning. Hey, good morning. We are curious. Was that just a little blip and the Suns are going to have the gentleman sweep, as the cliche goes, and celebrate an NBA title at home in Game 5? Or they don't have an answer for Giannis, and this series is about to turn on its head. You've been watching it. What are you thinking? Uh, That's a great question, man. Um, Let me start with the Giannis part. Nobody's going to have a solution for Giannis. Are you kidding me? The guy's a two-time MVP. The guy scored 42 points in Game 2 in a loss. In my mind, Giannis playing the way he's playing actually is reminiscent of like Allen Iverson going against the Lakers in as much as he could do whatever he wanted back then, and the Lakers still were going to win. Now, if the Phoenix Suns are going to take the gentleman's sweep, which is what, frankly, every fan in the Valley ought to be hoping for. I mean, isn't winning a championship on the road just like, ah, 
<laughs> we can't celebrate the same way, which I know is sort of like asking two for two bikes and two Nintendos for Christmas, but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I feel like the Phoenix Suns have the ability to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a number of ways. And I feel like the Bucks only have one way of beating the Phoenix Suns. So if you're asking me, do I think it was a big deal that the Suns lost by 20 in Game 3 in Milwaukee? I'm going to say no. I just think that this is one of those things that happens in championship basketball. I wrote this for the Republic very recently. If you just take a look at the modern history of the NBA Finals, blowout losses happen even to the team that eventually wins the series. Is there anything to the fact that Booker didn't play in the fourth quarter the other night and then he and Monty Williams were talking on the floor and someone asked him afterwards, Booker, uh, what was said? And he said, that's between uh, the coach and myself and all that. Is it anything there? Doesn't bother me much in as much as Devin Booker's a quiet guy. You're not going to get a whole lot from him. If Monty would have said happy birthday, Devin wouldn't necessarily tell you that. (laughs) I will say that the guy only scored 10 points. And he shot three of 14, including one of seven for three. If he does that again, he's hurt. If that happens again, there's something that we don't know about. Because when you take a look at Devin Booker, this guy, when he has a subpar shooting game, he turns around the very next night and has another good game. So he shot uh, 20-something percent uh, against the Bucks in game three. And again, I wrote this for the Republic very recently. He's had five nights this season where he shot below 30%. In the follow-up games, he averages 24 points and 45% shooting. So I don't expect Booker's going to have another bad night like that. But if he does, it's a massive problem for the Suns. Do you think Aiton stays out of foul trouble? Because if you're the Bucks, I'm pretty sure you'd go at him and try to get him in foul trouble. Pretty sure they will again. Yeah, for sure. I think if I'm the Suns, I go to 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 Aiton early and often as they did uh, in games one and three. I think in game three, Aiton ended up scoring 12 in the first quarter on six of seven shooting. Uh, And so for me, I would attack. I would fight fire with fire that way. Uh, Monty Williams was saying after the game that there was some inconsistency in the way that the game was called. What Monty said was it's hard to coach DeAndre uh, if I don't know what a legal guarding position is. And that's a legitimate criticism, except for the fact that, you know, Giannis is the only guy who got fouls called on him. If you take a look, the Suns, I think, shot 16 free throws, and I believe the Bucks ended up shooting 26 free throws. That's not that huge of a discrepancy, and the Phoenix Suns have not gotten to the line uh, over the last five, seven years. If anybody knows how to play through not getting calls, it ought to be uh, Devin Booker and the guys. What type of adjustments do you think they make with Antetokounmpo? Uh, you mean the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, defensively. I mean, they, because obviously Aiden got in foul trouble, and that impacted his ability to stay on the floor. So I'm big on throwing a bunch of different bodies out there, which is a little bit tough for the Suns right now uh, because Dario Sark went out. But I think you could put Frank Kaminsky out there. I think you've got Jay Crowder. I think you could even put Tory Craig on a Tentacumpo for a spell. But if it were me, I would just try to make every single thing he does difficult. I'd throw two, three guys at him. I'd throw 
you know, one guy at him for a couple of plays and then swap it out. I'd mix up his looks, go from zone to man. I'd start picking the guy up full court. I'd box him out on everything that happened, regardless of whether he was in the play. And then on the other end, whomever's Atentacumpo's uh, guarding, and I know that he's a fantastic defensive player, but I'd go right at him. If the Milwaukee Bucks are a one-man show, I'm going to say, hey, yo, I'm the Phoenix Suns, and I'm a complete team, and I ain't buying it. You, one guy, can't beat my whole team, and we're going to go at you and make this so difficult on you that if you do it, we'll shake your hand, but we don't think you can. Do you expect Chris Paul to have a big game? He has had some enormous games at points in this postseason. I expect Chris Paul to do what the defense gives him. If the defense drops off like they did in game one and does everything a switch on a pick and roll, I expect Chris Paul to give them everything that that they can handle uh, from the free throw line. If they go with fighting over the screens, that's going to leave open shooters on the backside. They're going to figure out a way to whip that thing around. And I don't expect that the Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, the guys I call the talent, I'm talking about Cam Johnson, I'm talking about Mikel Bridges, uh, Jay Crowder, Torrey Craig. I'm talking about the guys whose names aren't on the marquee, the guys who were largely responsible for the Suns shooting 20 of 40 from three-point range in game two. I would expect those guys to have much more of an impact on the game uh, than they did in game three. And again, this is something that I've written for the Republic, and if you want to follow me at saying more, S-A-Y-I-N-G-M-O-O-R-E, that's on Instagram and Twitter, at saying more. Uh, I think that the key is definitely going to be what the Suns' uh, so-called role players do, what the talent does around the, the major stars. Going big picture for years, the Suns the last decade were a joke, and a lot of that was put on the owner, Robert Sarver. What's the difference that allowed them to get where they were and where they are? So if you're asking me, Greg Moore, sports columnist for the Arizona Republic, and you can find my work at azcentral.com, and I'm at saying more on Twitter, at saying more on Instagram. If you're asking me, I think the beginning was when Robert Sarver, Phoenix Suns owner, stepped up and said, hey, everybody, I've made a lot of mistakes. I thought that being an NBA owner was a lot easier than it was. Steve Nash actually made it. Uh Uh-oh, you just tripped. Fellas, you'll forgive me. My two-year-old just tripped, and I have to pick her up. We forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) So he stepped up, went to the microphone, and said, I thought being an owner was easier. Uh, I've made some mistakes, but I've got this thing figured out. Steve Steve Nash made me think I was a little bit smarter than I was. Then he hired James Jones uh, to be like a deputy uh, in the front office. James Jones said, hey, guys. I'm going to do any and everything it takes to help make this a winning organization. James Jones played with LeBron James. James Jones played with uh, (laughs) the Miami Heatles. He played with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He played with the Indiana Pacers, uh, those Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest teams that were right there on the cusp of an Eastern Conference championship. This guy knows what winning basketball ought to look like. He knows what a winning organization ought to look like. Uh, shortly after Jones was hired, the general manager at the time, Ryan McDonough, who, you know, in a lot of ways is being vindicated by this finals run, Ryan McDonough was fired. James Jones, from there, went about putting pieces in place where you're just surrounding your superstars with quality guys. And he grew the organization to the point that when Monty Williams showed up, they took a massive step forward. 
And the next thing you know, Chris Paul comes and boom, and they're in the NBA Finals. So if you're asking Greg Moore, sports columnist of the Arizona Republic, father of four, holding a two-year-old while he stands outside, having the pleasure of talking to DK and PK, I'm just having a good time with this conversation, <laughs> fellas. But it goes back to the, the owner saying, hey, yo, everyone, I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it. Accountability is huge, whether that's in sports, business, life. That moment of accountability, I think, really just just set the stage for everything we're seeing today. Okay, you got several kids to raise here, so we need to let you go. But last thing, (laughs) my tag team partner, Patrick Kinahan, is an Arizona State Sun Devil. And there's been some stuff coming about at the athletic department, the football program there. Is this off-season noise, or is this going to impact the football program this season and in seasons going forward? I mean, listen, I don't think it's going to affect the team this season because what's going to happen is they'll circle the wagons, right? They'll do that thing where they say, everyone's coming against us. No one believes in us. They're trying to bring us down. And that's the kind of thing that an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old can really get behind a message like that, right? But then when the results of the investigation come down, and from everything I'm reading, you know, and I've read what Yahoo has, I've read what uh, my shop, the Arizona Republic has, I've read what The Athletic has, I've talked to some people around, It just sounds to me like the NCAA is going to have enough to find that Arizona State made some mistakes. And it sounds to me like Arizona State had a problem with compliance. It seems to me that there weren't the people in place around the program to say, this is how it ought to work in the college game. And now if that's the case, the NCAA is going to have to determine how big of a deal is it. If it's a huge deal we could see some sanctions on the program that could affect the program for a generation. If it's not that big of a deal at all, then it's a blip. And so we have to really wait and see. But if you're talking about what happens this season, I don't think the NCAA moves quickly enough to derail uh, what's going on this year, which is to say that ASU very well could contend for a Pac-12 South title and frankly ought to contend for the Pac-12. And they really ought to – you know, look at this season as, as, as all or nothing in the same way that U of A, uh, University of Arizona, a couple of years ago with the basketball program, it was like, I don't know, guys, this, this thing might fall apart. There's some uh, a federal investigation. There's this going on. There's that going on. But it wasn't in time to stop the NCAA tournament run. Uh, now, that team, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Raleigh Alkin, um, Alonzo Trier is just a hell of a good basketball team. That group lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and then the sanctions came down, and then two years later the head coach is dismissed. Right, So I, I don't predict all of that for Arizona State. I, like a lot of other people, am in a mode of wait and see to see how big the, 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 the alleged violations are. But again, if everything that Yahoo and the Arizona Republic and Athletics says is true, clearly there were mistakes made. I don't expect them to affect the program this season. All right, we will leave it right there, Greg. We appreciate your time. And uh, you want to hit the website one more time so people can read more? Sure, absolutely. Um, Saying more, Twitter and Instagram, at Saying More, S-A-Y-I-N-G-M-O-O-R-E. I'm in the Arizona Republic and at azcentral.com. 
And again, name's Greg Moore. Thanks for having me on, fellas. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There you go. Uh, there's a little uh, NBA Finals talk, and we got more. Enough of other people's opinions. PK's and I's opinion next. And there's one thing that I think, yes, home court, yes, Giannis is awesome, but there is one thing that literally everybody who plays in this game can do to win the game. I think it's huge. I think it's been huge in the first three games, and it is going to be immense in game four. And we will get to that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, are you ready for game four? Yeah, it's most definitely. taken a while, but it's finally here. Eh, it hasn't been that bad for me. Three days. If it was winter, it might be a little bit more, but summer, I'm busy. Suns and the Bucks in Milwaukee. And the number one thing to watch for, does Antetokounmpo go off again? Can Milwaukee win if he doesn't go off? No. No, I think that he has to. He has to get above 30, 35. I'm not sure that uh, the team is good enough. And I also think that if he doesn't, boy, that puts some pressure on those other guys to really step up. And I'm not sure outside Middleton can go. And Middleton's the only other guy I would really trust to go off. Drew Holiday's a good player. I just don't think he's a guy who drops 35 on you. No, I was thinking more of 25. Yeah. And if you want to go 35, Middleton, yeah. So when Antetokounmpo was doing his thing, that that really eases the pressure. And I think that he needs to play smart. You're not necessarily a perimeter guy. You don't need to be, man. You've got a lot of moves. You've got a lot of athleticism. You can get dunks and stuff just in transition that will just occur or some offensive rebounds. But in set offenses, go ahead and get down low. And, and do what you can there. Go old school in that way. And I heard somebody reference it. He needs to be more Shaq than Kobe. And I think that's accurate, you know, uh, more for uh, not worrying about the three-point shot, the perimeter shot, even if it's there. If it's there early in the shot clock, is that the best shot? You know, in Quinn Snyder, they talk about getting the best shot. And if that best shot comes six seconds into the shot clock, take it. Well, for Antetokounmpo, I think it's the other way around. If an open shot becomes available early, don't take it because you might be able to get better. And I do think that later in the shot clock, that shot will probably be there because the Suns will want you to shoot that shot. There, I think you hit on a real important point. They will want him. That's You can't defend everything. You have to concede something. And of all the things you can concede to the Bucks concede Giannis shooting a three because it not only does he not shoot him at a high level he's not very efficient but it also takes him away from rebounding I mean with his size and his athletic ability you don't want him rebounding you don't want to have to battle that no no so Phoenix is going to allow him to take that and I think he needs to avoid the temptation to take it the the thing about stopping him and ultimately I think it's going to come down to his passing because you don't want to leave the three-point shooters and let a roll guy get hot and get 20 on you really quick. 
because they're just shooting catch-and-shoot threes and their feet are set and they're squared up and it's a practice three. And now Terrence Mann nightmares are flooding into Jazz fans' heads. So you don't want to go help on Giannis. But if you leave a guy one-on-one in the paint with Giannis, he's got the moves, he'll dribble, he'll back you in, he'll take that step and spin around you. So you almost have to send someone else in there to see if you can dig the ball out. Because you, you got to make him make a quick move. If you give him time to make his move, he's going to get you. He's going to get you most of the time. So how quickly do the Suns bring help and how well does he pass the ball when it comes? Because if they just play him one-on-one in the paint, he's going to get 40. (laughs) He's going to. He's too good. And so then the ball comes out. You're in a scramble. Do you close out on guys? Do guys hit their shots? And that's where Middleton can really get rolling. And other guys might too. You know, Lopez can shoot the three. Holiday can hit shots. It's not like Middleton's the only guy who can score. He's certainly the guy most likely to go off in a big way. Mm-hmm. And so do you turn Giannis mostly into a facilitator? You know, if, But if Giannis ends up with 20 points and 10 assists, you're in trouble because of those, of those 10 assists, 30 points. And, and at the other end, when the Suns won, also you know they had 118 points. They scored 100 points in Milwaukee. So we can say, are the Bucks defending better? Are the Suns not shooting it as well? Are role players not playing as well on the road? All the things that we traditionally go to. Uh-huh. But a lot of this, and, and, and you, you would love this, because this goes more to heart and effort and energy and the want to than it does the analytics. But the analytics will tell you, Get the offensive rebound. The team that has won that battle for the 50-50 balls, the offensive rebounds, or deflected balls that are bouncing around the floor, that's a team that's won these games. That's been the difference. It gives you a chance to get out and run. Uh, we're, we're at the point where if you're a bad defensive team, you're probably not in the NBA Finals. That was the hang-up for the, the Nets all along, right? Are they good enough defensively? Right. And they had so many injuries on top of that. When you get those second shot, when you get those 50-50 balls, you not only have the possession, you usually have the possession in a really good place, right? You're grabbing a rebound off the rim, you're just putting it back in, just tip it in, follow dunk, whatever. Or you're throwing it out to a three-point shooter who's wide open. Or you're getting a deflection out at the top of the key and it's a two-on-one break or it's one-on-none. So th- those and, and those have decided these games. You, you can be, I was in the car listening on the radio and Doris Burke was going crazy about the 50-50 balls. I think it was game, uh, game two. And certainly the Suns got hammered on the backboards in game three. So we can go all the strategy in the world, but who wins those? Sure. Yeah, that, that's important. I also think the Suns role players need to step up too. I'm, I'm figuring Booker's going to. You know, he he needs to have a better game. I don't consider him a role player. I don't. I don't. I'm talking. I about think it bridges. starts with him. But when he gets going, it makes it easier for the role players to step up. There's less pressure on him. Yeah, Bridge is a weird deal. Only taking the four shots. It wasn't so much that he shot it poorly. You know. But where, yeah, I where, don't know what was going on there. But well, I don't like it. <laughs> it's it doesn't work for the Suns. No, not at all. No. And I think they have a a better team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it translates into winning ball games. And, you know, one game is one game, and momentum can change quickly. But I do think if the Bucks roll, you're giving them a ton of confidence to come to Phoenix. And you don't want that. 
They've already come back from 0-2 once. Get them back to 2-2. They're going to be thinking, we're going to do this again. At least. You can't stop us. If the Bucks win from the Phoenix perspective, have it be at the end of the game to where it's a you know it's a tightly contested. It could have gone either way. Shouldn't we have one of those at some point? And we've had three games, and they haven't well, gone Sort down. of had that in game one. More than the other two, but still a 12-point game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... Excuse me, was it not complete the way you would define right. something? Where right there's the tension, end. there's a possession with 45 seconds left, and there's tension. There's tension with 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. There's right. a big possession with 15 seconds left. Yeah, we haven't had that. Well, like that that ultimate game uh, the other night between the Australia and the U.S. No, it didn't really I mean, that's either. where I'm going to refer to all sporting events now. That was because an eight, that was an the magnitude game. of that game that was, was off eight, the charts. That was an eight-point game. Right. And the good thing about it is that you know everything about that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you can break it down with the best of them. Uh, so, I do think that it's important for the Suns to find a way to compete. You know, and obviously for their perspective, from their perspective, they'd want to win. But if you don't win, you know, make sure it's a tight game. Put some doubt into the other team's mind rather than have them thinking, man, we have corrected our issues here. Uh, Yanni just needed a game after not playing for a while. And then he's set and everyone said, we're looking good. Because then, at that point, I think Phoenix is in trouble. At 2-2. It's that well, Milwaukee... 2-2 would, with Milwaukee blowing him out again. Yeah. You would have Milwaukee leading the series 2-2. Two two. Even though they don't have home court? Yeah. Yeah, and that could change. Maybe Milwaukee's just in this series is going to have uh, great games at home and not be able to get the job done in Phoenix. We shall see, man, because in that... You know, obviously, if the Suns win, then they take a stronghold on that thing. But 2-2, I really think that just one team always has to have the home court. I understand that. But I think that, at best, it's 50-50 if if the Bucs find a way to win. So this is really, really important, not just for tonight's game, but for everything going forward in the series. I'm, I'm excited to watch it. It'll be interesting with the Bucks to see uh, if they have as much emotion. They were really desperate. 2-0, it felt like a must-win game. You're back home because nobody has ever rallied from 3-0. But there aren't that many teams that have rallied for 3-1. I don't know if you can summon that much energy again in the next game. You've had more time off. That seems to make it more likely, more doable. And then the other thing for the coaches is, why, why substitute in this game? It's just... Play your starters as much as possible. You haven't played since Sunday, and you don't play again till Saturday. It's the only game in a five-day span. Well, I think you and, have to look at the individual game, not the game before and the game after. You know, can they, are they gassed at that game? And what's going on in this particular game? That's, we, that we saw determine the, the Buck Stars played like thirty-eight, forty, and forty-one minutes. They had it going. Why take them out? The Suns didn't quite play as big a minutes, but you know, they didn't have it going. So, and they got a deep team. So, search for other guys who can who can get you going. I get it a little bit, but man, if you're if you can, you get you got to stay with your stars in this. Yeah, one. Booker didn't and, play at all in the fourth quarter in game and, three. And yeah, he he wasn't having a good game, and and Aiton had foul issues. Now he didn't foul out, so he could have played a little more. Um, yeah. And then it got out of hand at the end. He's so going to have to be out on the floor matter. more. Yeah, it didn't matter. Because then you're taken down to a, a second 
guy off the bench that you didn't anticipate. You intended, you anticipated Sarge being out there, and obviously he's done, going to be done for a good while, blowing out the knee. So uh, Kaminsky, you know, he's okay, but he's your third team guy, and so you, there's a reason why he's your third team guy. So you want. Mr. Aiton out there as much as possible, and he has a chance to impact the game. And it's really important for him to come out and be aggressive. You know, be just have that mindset and that you're the biggest, baddest dude out there, uh, and and do what you can do because you are highly skilled. I believe Aiton is, and so he has to he has to really take it upon himself. And if they're not calling his number and running plays for him, then go find other ways, man. There's plenty of other ways in which you can contribute. You know, obviously, offensive boards you already touched on, but setting yep. hard screens, rolling strong, being a defensive presence on any pick and roll, and you have the ability to get back to. And they don't really have a big low post game anyway outside of Antetokounmpo Lopez. That's not really his game. You know, he's the he's morphed into a, a perimeter guy, and he's sort of a part-time guy even though he starts. And that's what I think that uh, if I'm Budenholzer, I go ahead with that starting lineup. Uh, but I get Lopez out of there fairly quick and let Antetokounmpo have the room in the middle offensively because I think that he's almost pretty much unstoppable. Agreed. And Lopez can go out and shoot the three, and I know there's a whole thing about Lopez has got to get inside and be the physical presence, and we'll save that for the eight minutes a game that Antetokounmpo isn't, isn't playing. Yeah, and then you can do it on the defensive end too. Uh, so I think that's that's important for Antetokounmpo to establish his presence to say, okay, I am the biggest, baddest dude on this floor, and I am going to carry my team. And he has that chance, too. You know, he's a two-time MVP, so you got that saddle of an MVP but haven't won. And probably, you know, it's going to be up to him to see what he can do. Uh to look at the success of this team. That's what makes this um, opportunity for the Bucks pretty cool because if he gets this, then all legacy questions in my mind are over. A title in a small cold-weather market and two MVPs. He would be on top of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else can you ask of him? You want two and three. Once you get three, you want four and all sure. that stuff. But Pile it up, but yeah. But you got to get that one, man. And he hasn't gotten that one. He's still a young kid in terms of uh, he can get better and do better and or at least continue for a number of years. So great opportunity to really seize the moment and seize a legacy to establish himself as truly one of the greats. You know, when we look at greatness all time, he's not there, and it's hard to be there at his age uh, unless you're really, really special. But, you know, set yourself up because it doesn't look like anybody else in the East is going to be the overwhelming contender. You know, there's some good teams over there, but not... They got questions. Not to where they would overshadow what the Bucks are being able to do. As long as they keep it together, because I, I think that the holiday for Bledsoe was a great improvement, and then you got some internal improvement and a way to go. And and you know they get it in a seventy-two game season, or it's a down year, and they took advantage of injuries to the Nets and blah. blah. Okay, fine. 
But you, there wouldn't be the first team that you can say, hey, wait a second. And in the end, it doesn't matter. Wait a second doesn't matter. They, The winner of this series will be re- re- presented with a trophy, and they will be considered the champions of this year. That's the way it is. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas is on NBA TV 30-plus years after he won his two NBA titles, and he got the first one. He had struggled in pressure situations. He had massive failures on the big stage and all that, but he got his first title when the Lakers were shredded by injuries, and nobody cares and nobody brings it up. You either have it or you don't, and he's got it. I remember Arsenio Hall brought it up once on his talk show. Because <laughs> he he's a big Laker fan. Did he really bring it up? Yeah, they were talking about it at yeah. the time. And then the Lakers did have a bunch of injuries, but so what? And yeah, Roger it's Warren a big got so it what? without the Bulls. It, it just doesn't matter, man. Did you get it? And And every single team that's gotten it, They've had to have some types of ups and downs and overcome something or other. I mean, it's a long season. And even even with the 10 fewer games, the playoffs are still the same. True story. Got to win 16. Yeah. And Might have to play 28. It's a grind all the way through, man. It just seems like it goes on for a good long time. Longest form of playoffs we have, right? So... They, whoever wins it owes nothing to anybody in terms of uh, yeah, but or an apology by any stretch, and that's why you'll see them celebrate wildly. I would like to see whoever it is. So Suns in five or seven or Bucks in six, do it in the front of the home. Yeah. Get the biggest bang for your bucks, so to speak. Ah, oh, well played. And do that because it's it, yeah. it's more fun that way. Yes, I just saw, and I don't even know why. Um, but I just saw a clip of Jordan winning his fifth title. And obviously that was over the Jazz in Chicago. And he's up on the table and the place is just going nuts. You know, and he wins six in Utah and the Jazz fans are heading for the exit. And there's 600 Bulls fans or whatever there were crowding around one tiny corner of the court. It's not the same. Well, in their it's day, there weren't, they had no choice, though. Because back then, it was the last two were at home of the team with a better record, right? Yeah. So once they came to Salt Lake, he there. That's what it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, winning and losing here, and they won so many that they had their experience of winning at home. So it didn't matter because they they did both, and good for them. They you get your one in good. fifty years. Yeah, different deal. Yeah, where did the Bucks win the last one? You're Mister History. No idea. <laughs> who they beat? I don't even know who they beat. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's safe guess is just to say the Lakers, <laughs> but the Bucks came out of the West, so it wasn't them. I think it was the Knicks, maybe. Was it? Look it up, yacht, can you? Computer. And what year was here. that? Seventy-one. Seventy-one. Nineteen seventy-one. And then they lost to the Celtics in seventy-four. Abdul was his first year or second year? That would have been his second. His second year? Yeah. Oh, they beat the Bullets. See, I didn't know. Oh, they did. They beat the Bullets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just looked it up. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Nope. Nope. No idea. And I couldn't tell you if it was on the road or at home. But all I know is Abdul and Oscar Robertson were really good players. (laughs) I don't have to have seen it to know. All-time, all-timers. Right. I I can't recall seeing Oscar Robertson ever play basketball. That was a topic we were going to do this summer. We should do that. Games you... Games and, and players you think you've seen because you've seen them so much, but you weren't actually there or you didn't watch them? Yes. Oscar, I've seen a ton of clips. Don't ever remember watching a game. But I didn't need to, to know of his greatness. No. 
I've been told it. You can see it. You can look it up. Yep. And you can hear I literally it. don't know anybody who follows basketball seriously of that era who doesn't think he was awesome. It's unanimous. He was awesome. I actually, I would to, have loved to have seen him to the point that Kevin O'Connor once said when I he heard the where does Stockton rank, you know, on the point guard debate one day on the radio, and he was at shoot around, and he said, you know, I don't really debate the Stockton stuff. I just can't believe everybody's got magic over Oscar. Oscar's number one for me. Now, you know, Kevin's older than us, and so he certainly has vivid recollections of watching Oscar, you know, play games and playoff series. Person. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to sit there, and, and he didn't he didn't rip magic at all. There was no anti-LA or any of that stuff. It was just, he just thought Oscar was that awesome. And I don't have any problem with that. When you see somebody like we have with Pace Manion, he thought Draymond, Draymond Green should be the defense player of the year because his son was on the team and he watched him play a bunch. I get it. You have that natural bias. You should. when you're And plus you have the knowledge, too, because you've watched him. So... Anybody we talked about last week, Marv Albert's final of five, best five. Now, he spans 55 years. That's, that's just <laughs> shocking. I mean, that's incredible. And and most of that, you know, all of, not all of it, he saw those guys in their prime, in their beginning, in their prime, in their decline. So, you know, that's his yeah. opinion. And that's actually why I saw that Jordan 5. Uh, TNT did a Marv Albert retrospective, and Ernie Johnson was interviewing him and getting memories out of him. And... Uh, and he was talking about how he got linked with Jordan just because of the era and the games he called. Great. And he talked about how fortunate he was in his career, the timing of the teams. And, you know, he's, he's young and he's in a local market. And he's in New York and the Knicks play their best basketball of his life. You know, so the timing was great. To date, yes. For sure. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Two titles, baby. I was there, man. Willis was there. Reed. Dave DeBusher. When did they win? Phil Jackson. What were the years? 70 and uh, 73. Okay, so 73 is when I went. That was when you were there and, and the kid wanted to run around the garden and you wanted to watch the game. Yes. <laughs> right. I'm not here to run around the garden, dude. <laughs> right, right, right. He wanted to run around and just do whatever. And I said, I'm sitting right here and I am watching, watching that game, game man. <laughs> Because I mean, I, I was young, I was a pup, but I appreciated it at the time. He was the mayor's son. The mayor got tickets, and he later became the mayor of the same town. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. We'll get to the baseball All Star Game, USA basketball. We will do that all next. Stay with us.